Good morning, everybody, and um, you're welcome to today's episode of the Truth Serum Podcast. This promises to be another packed episode, and I'm your host, Modupe Wigwe. Today, we are going to be exploring the topic of mental and emotional capital and what are its implications for policing and security in Nigeria. And to help us discuss this in a good amount of detail is the Assistant Inspector General of Police, Austin Ewa, retired. Now, his um, biography is fully packed. So I'm going to allow him to just introduce himself to us and tell us all he has been doing over, uh, I mean, at least a bit of what he has been doing over the years. Right. My big brother, Austin, you're very welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me to this uh, wonderful program. Uh, my name, as you have mentioned, is AIG Austin Iwa, retired. I retired from the police in 2018 after a service of, a uh, rewarding service of 33 years. Wow. And, um, and um, uh, whilst a policeman, I worked in almost every department of the police, you know, having, yes. having joined as a, as a young officer cadet. Uh, and so, um, Sorry, if you don't mind my asking, at what age was that? What age did you join? I joined when I was 27. Okay. Yes, uh, when I was 27. Uh, and so I've worked in several departments, both in uh, operations, in, in tactical, and uh, very senior level, strategic levels. Um, I've been a teacher also, I coach and a mentor to police officers. Okay. I I was one of those that uh, introduced community policing in Nigeria in 2003. Whoa, okay. I, I was also um, ahead of the unit for nine years before I moved on to other aspects of police work. Mm. Uh, I've also had the rare opportunity to be the head of uh, security and police in the last World Economic Forum for Africa that took place in 2014 in Nigeria. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was a high point of my career and um, I got to learn a lot. And also I was a commissioner of police in Gumbu State uh, for two years in Kaduna State as well in Baelsa before I retired as uh, Assistant Inspector General of Police. And since I retired, wow. I've been into uh, consultancy work, mostly with the British Council, British High Commission, uh, also involved in police reforms, uh, training police officers, coaching uh, young police officers, mentoring them, and all that. And also, uh, now I, uh, I'm working with um, an international organization that is involved in policy reforms all over the world. They call a uh, strategic capacity group based in the United States. I am okay. their, I'm their senior police advisor in Nigeria. My responsibility is coordinate the training of transitional police unit that uh, we operate in uh, Northeast, uh, mm. including training them 
uh, curricular development, training, and and uh, subsequently their deployment. So wow, that's yeah. me. Yeah, wow. In fact, my my mouth is watering right now because even though I said that uh, um, we have this person coming in to talk to us about it, I didn't. Now I realize the impact. So I can't wait to dive into the topic. So Nigeria is 60. We are celebrating 60 years. What would you say is the state of security? Is there something to celebrate? Um, uh, let me take a big sigh. Because uh, fact. <laughs> the answer to your question is a yes and also a no. Okay. Uh, a yes in the fact that uh, we've gone a long way. We've, we've, we've achieved so much from the 1960s to date. We've achieved so much. Mm. I mean, when you talk mm. in terms of infrastructural development, in terms of education, uh, in, in terms of even integration, of Nigerians, we've done quite a lot. There's no part mm. of this country you will go and you will not find a Nigerian from any other part of the country. There's no part. Mm. Even in the mm. heart of Boko Haram, you see Igbos, Hausas, and uh, Yorubas, and people from other parts of the country living their normal lives, trading and, and engaging in businesses. Uh, mm. Isn't that how it's always been? It has always I been mean, like back that. in the day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is more now. I mean, in the sixties, you had a few, but now Nigerians are moving. Nigerians do not are not afraid okay. of of going to any part of the country. They are not okay. afraid of moving mm -hmm. to any part of the country and settling down and buying property and settling mm -hmm. down in those areas. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we have seen uh, from from maybe four universities in the 1960s to a hundred and something universities now, we, we are counting almost uh, between five to six million students uh, in Nigerian tertiary institution. Uh, they, we've done a lot of things that will bring integration, including the National Youth Service Corps and, mm -hmm. and another thing. So to that extent, uh, I will say that uh, we 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 we've done a lot. But then, have we achieved what we our founding fathers set out to to achieve for Nigeria? Uh, not no, we have not achieved that. There's still uh, grumblings here and there that has to do about integration. That has to do about uh, economic development and all that. We haven't done that. And when it comes to security, it's a big issue. Um, for us in Nigeria today. Uh, and it has not always been like this, but in the last 20 years of our democracy, we have seen more security agencies uh, established. Mm -hmm. But then again, we have also seen more crimes, more uh, new and emerging crimes uh, every day. Uh, yes, like a new market, a new and emerging market. Yeah, mm. uh, some of which are also perpetrated by the security agencies. 
Yes. And so you begin to ask because one expects that the more you, the more security agencies you have, the less you have of crimes. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that mm -hmm. uh, today we have more than nine federal government security agencies. Yeah. Compared to 20 years back, mm -hmm. where you had only the police, mm -hmm. maybe SSS. Mm -hmm. But now you have almost uh, all, all of them doing the same thing, and yet there's there's massive insecurity. Yes. So are we now saying that the more security agencies you you establish, the more insecurity you have in the country? Mm. I don't know. Maybe that is uh, something for for that discussion. But however, we have seen more of this uh, security some of which are tied to poverty, some of which are tied to uh, uh, economic development, poor economic development that does not focus on um, on um, our rural areas, for example, that are completely mm. neglected, completely mm. neglected, and other indicators of, um, of that create insecurity uh, yeah. over religiousness, in the mm. country, you know, uh, instead mm. of instead of us to use religion as a platform of development, uh, yeah. we we are doing the other way around. We think that uh, 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 religion should be a platform for for engaging in other kinds of things. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, there's massive insecurity now, and uh, it doesn't look as if uh, the government is uh, really doing anything about it. Yeah, uh, it's as if they do not have a handle on it. They don't have a grasp yeah. of what to do, right? Mm. Okay, that's um, that's very interesting. If time permits us, I'd like to go into this issue of um, over-religiousness, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but um, right now, in terms of policing and with all the work that you've been you've been doing with um, the police uh, since you retired. You know, this issue of having mental capital and emotional capital, what role do you think that plays in policing? I mean, now we're talking about community policing. So what role do you think that this kind of capital, and I'm, is the skills that I'm talking about when I, mm -hmm. when I refer to them as capital, yeah. yeah. What role do you think they play in policing? Um, you know, policing is, um, is both an emotional thing uh, right. Dealing with violence uh, yes. in, impact on on the individual, mm. emotionally and otherwise, it can even be destructive to the individual. Mm. And then, uh, when you now that's to the police, that's to the police as the individual yes, now, the individual okay. police officer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it, could, it, it could destroy his mental, his or her mental stability when mm. when uh, you give a police person enormous power that is mm. not checked that is not checked one and secondly where the person is not properly trained in how to mm. deploy that when to deploy and how to deploy that power mm. so you discover that you give uh, the person an instrument that can be self-destructive mm. not only destroying other people but can destroy the person's mental stability uh, mm. especially where the person doesn't know the boundaries mm. in use of that power. 
and so mm -hmm. it becomes a problem. Uh, and then compounded with the fact that uh, some of these uh, officers may be on some influence, some uh, psychotropic influence, mm -hmm. or taking some drug mm -hmm. and all that, thinking mm -hmm. that it will make them look tough or sound tough or behave tough. And then mm -hmm. it then compounding their, their mental stability. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure yeah. sometimes when you meet police officers, some police officers on the road, you begin to wonder uh, mm. why that behavior. Mm. So it, mm. it's a big mm. problem. It's a big problem. And which is why even the current Inspector General Police uh, had to develop a system of uh, psychometric tests mm. for, 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 for people who want to join the police. We, we need to check your mental stability. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. as you very well know, uh, somebody that has a mental instability doesn't know that, doesn't mean that the person is walking on the street naked and all that. It doesn't True. Uh, Yeah. So yes. it could be manifested in other areas. Yes. In other areas. One doesn't notice until it happens. Yeah. 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 We've seen political yeah. officers yeah. kill themselves. Uh, you, mm. know, you begin to wonder. So uh, it's a it's a big problem. Uh, yeah. I, and yeah. then again, where you have officers that are involved in serious operations that in, involves the deployment of the deployment of uh, violence, uh, some mm. of us have advised that immediately that operation is completed, the officers mm. go for for a checkup, a psychological checkup to take a leave immediately and go for mm. a psychological checkup because mm. uh, the impact of the violence on their mental stability. Yeah. So is that done? Do they do that? Uh, well, you know, I've left the police two years now, so mm. I, I don't know, mm. but I'm not sure that... Mm. Uh, I know that before, before you left, were they doing it? No, 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 no. Uh, we, we, those are the discussions we're having with uh, with senior officers uh, how to start it, and we have a the police has a robust medical department that we, we are hoping that the medical department will be involved in in and all that. But I don't know whether they have started it or. Okay. Uh, but I hope that they take it into serious consideration. Okay, so it, it, do, is there, um, do, does the police have psychological services? In other words, how much access to things like counseling uh, do the officers have? No, there is nothing like counseling. There's nothing like oh, counseling. Let me catch my breath here. Let me catch my breath here. There's nothing like that. No, there's nothing like psychological counseling. That is officers being sent to counselors to counsel them. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, yes. No, no yes. I, I haven't come across that. I'm, I'm not sure it's operating yet. But, but you course, know, there have been yeah. kind of discussions mm -hmm. within the organization. There yes. are discussions like that, but um, I haven't seen where a department is established for counseling. For counseling. Now, why would you say that is? Is it because nobody has seen that there is a need? Because, I mean, I would imagine that with the kind of work that the officers do, 
there would have been officers who have demonstrated or at least you know shown that indeed something has gone wrong mm. over the years and somehow i tend to think that there would be the numbers would be enough to have made it put this on the front burner yes. as it were that people yeah. require this kind of support mm -hmm. so if they're not getting the support what what support do they get well i don't think they get any support I, what i what i know is that um um there are discussions here and there about this kind of thing. Mm. But um, police and policing all over the world is an organization that is slow to change, very slow to change. And so, uh, except if that change is externally triggered and forced on it, but internally, mm. Police organizations are wary of change. Uh, wow. You know, wow. They, they, they are more comfortable with where they are, even if, they know, are. Even if they know that uh, where they are is not where they should be. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that is very interesting, considering America and what's going on. Yes. You know, this so, sort of gives me some more context. Yeah, so they are very, very slow to change. It's, mm. so, uh, sometimes, like I said, these are discussions that are being held, papers that are written, people have come and made proposals and all that. But it, these are processes that they require um, structural change, organizational changes that should accommodate things like that, you know, mm -hmm. establishment mm -hmm. departments and units for mm -hmm. counseling, psychological counseling and all that. But it hasn't mm -hmm. taken place. It hasn't taken place. But would it be right to also say that the reason why it, it really hasn't taken place still brings us back to this issue of mental capital. And that is the talk about a paradigm shift. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's really the core of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because even though those departments are established and people, the, that paradigm shift does not exist, then it won't be well managed. The process will not function smoothly, and those who should benefit from it will end up not benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. So we still come back to this paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And now the issue is, when it comes to community policing, don't we have a problem? Because is this not at the heart of community policing? It, it's, it is. It is. Because um, uh, community policing it's, um, is a philosophy and also a practice that you that you as a police officer you need to recognize the role of community leaders the role of uh, of community institutions in mm -hmm. um, in finding solutions to things that uh, undermine their their quality of life mm. and so mm. uh, you need a police organization that first of all recognizes the importance of communities yes. in, having, in having a say. Yes. In having a say. In other words, being able to work with them. Yeah, we were engaging with them. We have what is called exactly. engagement mm -hmm. and partnerships. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You engage with community members to find solutions to underlying problems. Mm. And also you partner with other government agencies and so you need to have 
some level of respect and integrity, respect mm -hmm. for the views of uh, your partners and the people you are engaging with, uh, and recognize that they have the solution. And, and, and you know, the thing is that uh, it also challenges the police traditional beliefs in the sense mm. traditionally uh, police officers always think that they know the problem and they know the solution. Mm. Yeah, but community mm. policing challenges that belief. Says, yeah, you know some of the problems. You know part of the problems. You have part of the solutions. You have some of the solutions. You need to engage with other people. Considering the fact that uh, the 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 factors that create uh, crime or criminal problems in 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 any community, the police cannot influence them. Cannot influence mm. the factors. And yeah. so, uh, some of these factors, like when you have dysfunctional families, mm. uh, that leads to the child being uh, equally dysfunctional. Yes. So, yes. Uh, how can the police? The police is not in a position to influence the functionality of a dysfunctional family. Yeah, even domestic violence as well. Yeah, even domestic violence, violence that takes place inside, right inside yeah, the family. In the home. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so uh, police officers are made to understand that most of the factors, if not all the factors of crime, mm. cannot in be influenced by them. And so they need to engage with the people whose activities create these problems mm. And, mm. And, and find solutions through them mm. Uh, mm. to these problems. And also, there are also government institutions that have been established mm. that have influence over uh, this institution. For example, you go to some communities, almost every state has a uh, department of women affairs, Yes. Uh, yes. Well, uh, uh, has a minister of youth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these are government departments that should have policies and strategies uh, that target uh, young people uh, that are prone to crime mm -hmm. and find solutions of uh, ensuring that they do not drift to crime. Mm. You know, so uh, for, under the community policing environment, uh, a policeman needs to be uh, to be to be clear-headed and yeah. respect people, and not to think that you do not think first of all think of your power of mm. domination. You know, mm. the question of mm. power of dominating your environment. Mm. doesn't mm. arise under a community policing environment. And uh, mm. you have to treat people respectfully regardless of their circumstances. Uh, mm. you, have, you have to be motivated to, yeah. to serving the public, ensuring that you provide the best service at all times. Uh, you need to understand the needs of the community, the needs of individuals, uh, and 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 act in the best interest, uh, and they act in their best interest. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and you and every community has 
sub-communities. You have different people within community. You have the community of the blind, the community of the deaf and dumb, the community of the beggars, the com- all kinds of communities. Yeah. Uh, so you need to have uh, effective communication skills. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is respectful of your audience, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And you need to consider other people's views when interacting yeah. with them. So with them. A, a, a lot of this uh, are what is required of a police officer under a community policing uh, environment. And so uh, the officer needs to be mentally stable. He needs to have uh, the the necessary but, capital, mental yes, capital to do this. To but then, how are we going to get it? Because what I hear you saying, mm-hmm. right, is that the officer needs to have self awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, this officer needs to be able to self regulate mm-hmm. his own emotions, mm-hmm. right. The officer needs to be self-motivated as well. He has to have motivation. And tied into that is optimism or hope, believing believe even in the system itself. Yes. Right? The officer needs to have some relational agility, in, at least be able to um, build relationships. Absolutely. Be skilled at building relationships, right? Then trust, flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. Empathy, all of these things, that, that's actually the police of the new, that's the new police we are looking for. Absolutely. That will be able to fit into um, community uh, policing that we're talking about now. So I'm saying, looking at what we have on ground, to me, it already seems as if it's unachievable. Um, no, I don't think so. I think so. I think mm-hmm. it's unachievable. It may, it may take some time. But I can tell you, as somebody who has worked in the the police for 33 years, that mm-hmm. um, the type of police officers we met when we joined are uh, mm-hmm. different from the ones we met now, we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in every organization, like people say, in every 12, there is a Judas. Yes. Uh, so you, you find them. Unfortunately, the Judases are the ones you, you meet on the road every time okay. you travel. Okay. But then again, uh this requires a paradigm shift as you have rightly pointed out earlier it's a paradigm shift that requires a lot of training training that also focuses on ensuring that officers have the right skills and competencies okay the okay. Right- i mean i i'm sorry to cut you but i understand that however for training to even be successful, it would have to be um, the 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 there should be an enabling environment within the person for training to take place. Mm. In Nigeria today, when we talk about maybe out of the twelve there'll be one Judas, honestly speaking, it would appear as if out of the twelve there are twelve Judases. Mm. It may be that maybe it's the Judases that are getting most of the publicity, but it has become so rampant that it is even an image, mm. you know? Mm. It's comfortably an image right now. Yeah. So in the first place, to even change that image, mm. where, where are we going to start from? Then the officers that are going to be trained, when we look at the kind of environment they come out of, people say that we are products of our environment. 
We look at the barracks, for example, mm. that they come out from. Is that an enabling environment? Mm. What are we going to do to change it in such a way that even if it comes to just going back home and getting a good night's rest, it is part of the training program. Mm. Because mm. somebody who has not had a good night's rest, somebody who doesn't, who, who, I mean, who stays in that kind of slum, right, and is expected to come back and learn all of these things, be self-aware or be able to self-regulate or be, be self-motivated, have optimism. How? How is that even going to be possible? Would we be right to even be expecting such things from um, um, people who are in that kind of situation? Salaries are not consistent. And this is just from what we read. It's not, uh, I don't know, but from what we read, that salaries are not even consistent. Now, if all of these things have not been put in place first, where do they get that pride in themselves mm. that gives them self-esteem, mm. for example, mm. so that they don't go into the community and for a hundred naira, for two hundred naira, they are willing to, you know, do something else. I mean, self-esteem itself, we need to even start building that before we can start putting other things on top of it. How is that going to happen? Well, um, what I know is that um, I was in the Judas, and I know tens of hundreds of police officers I worked with that are not Judas. Uh, well, just like, just like uh, just like you said, uh, it is the bad apple that smells the highest. Mm. So, um, of course, there are multiple problems, multiple problems that are caused by multiple factors. Yes. Well, we need to start somewhere. True. You need to start somewhere, and um, you cannot solve all the problems. That is so, true. So you need to start from somewhere that you can begin to uh, manage. Uh, for me, when I was uh, head of community policing, we did quite a lot. We did quite a lot. Um, let me let me tell you something. Uh, one of the things we used to do uh, when we start training officers in community policing, we have basic questions we ask them. You know. Uh, we ask them that, assuming you are, we about four questions. We take them through four questions, uh, exercises. You ask them, okay, um, what does the public, assuming you are a member of the public, how do you see the police? Mm. How do you see the police? Mm. And they tell us a lot, some, you know, all negative, everything negative. I mean, that is the police officer. So the first thing is to recognize what the public talks about you. And some of them will say murderers, thieves, corrupt people. Mm -hmm. That is how the public views them. And, and then we, we take them through another session, asking them, um, let me think, uh, uh, what do you uh, need uh, to make you an effective police officer. Mm -hmm. And then some of them said, you know, and that's where we have problems. That's where we have problems. Mm. Because you discover that most of the answers given don't have anything to do with them. It is more external. So you hear them saying that, well, we need more vehicles, we need more guns, we need offices, mm. we need this. Mm. 
and they don't talk about themselves. They talk about support service. We mm. need more effective communication. Mm -hmm. And you hardly hear any of them saying, we need to be properly trained. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, yeah. And, and so we do these exercises, and at the end of the day, we ask them that, what do you need? Mm. Uh, uh, the, the, the what do you need question is actually the, the last part of the, this, uh, the uh, what do you need to make yes. an effective police officer? Mm -hmm. And mm. so we tell them that first of all, you need to respect human rights. You need to be pathetic. You need to uh, be accountable. You need to be committed to work. You need to be trained transparent you need to have team spirit you need the fear of god mm. because you need to have the right skills and competencies you need to have the right attitude you need to have integrity uh mm. demonstrate courage you need to have a uh, uh, enhance your reputation um, yeah. you need to uh you know some of those things that have to do with your emotional and mental stability that you need okay. to do to, to be an effective uh, police officer. And if mm. you look, if you look at the police act, the police regulation, we have something yes. called the attributes of a police officer. Yes, not of conducts of a police officer. We try to use that uh, to train police officers to follow certain attributes that have already been placed those attributes are like what you call code of conduct yeah yeah some of which is that you have to be determined and incorruptible in the exercise of your duties okay you have to uh be strict uh mm. in regard to the correctness of your general behavior yeah. you know yeah. your general behavior uh yeah so, which means yeah. that you need to understand and reinforce expectations of professional behavior and also openly recognize good and bad performance. You know, some of those things, um, with, with, for me as a trainer, I like to focus on the policeman himself, that notwithstanding where you are coming from, there is a standard you must meet. And you should separate where you are coming from with the standard that you are supposed to meet. Hmm. Hmm. You know, with everything that you have said, right? It it appears that even more than ever before, what we need is this mental and emotional capital. Mm. That is what we need. Mm. It would appear as if more than anything else, that mm. is what we need, right? Yes, and so, I am deeply concerned because I feel as if. We're not really, even in, in building it now, in trying to build it, in trying to do the reforms, I'm not quite sure that this has been given its right of place, that it has really been put in its, its place of importance. Mm. Because everything that we've discussed now, it would appear that this is the crux of it. Yeah, and until we can get this right, we are, nothing is, we're not going to get anything right. I agree with you. I agree with you. If you take a look back at history, you will discover that we've had several police reforms mm. uh, committees that were set up. 
and um, the last one was the Damadami uh, reform. And if you take a look at that reform, you discover that uh, nothing in that report has has anything to do with the mental and emotional capital of the police officer. Hmm. It's all about resources. Yeah. It's all about um, it's all about buildings. It's all about uniforms. It's all about guns. It's all about building police stations, wow. building police mm. barracks, mm. Uh, and also something about training. Yeah, something about training, but nothing really about defining the type of police. Yes, a democracy. Our democracy requires, mm. and the type of police officer we need to develop yeah. to pursue. Uh, the objectives of policing in a democratic society. Nothing yes. about that. And so because it was more of a, 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 a purchasing, you know, buying things, uh, driven reform, uh, it was supposed to cost the government trillions of naira. And so of course. the government couldn't afford that. And, and mm. I think that a police reform should come in phases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the first phase should be defining the yes. philosophy of policing. Yes, yes. You define yes. the philosophy of policing. You yes. define the type of police officer you need to drive that philosophy. Yeah. And that can only come from understanding. Yes. And then it is there you begin to say, these are the code of ethics. Mm -hmm. that a police officer. And then the next stage is how do we produce that officer? Exactly. How do we build what, such a person? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. What skills and competencies does that person require? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and then the next stage, we begin to talk about what resources does he or she needs? Yes. In all the ramifications of yes. resources. Yes. Right? Uh, because uh, resources, like we've just said, is also about this the emotional part of it, the emotional resource, and then the physical resource as well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so it has to be in phases. Mm. Uh, but we haven't done that in Nigeria about uh, facing police reforms or police development because it has to even do with uh, the curricula, changing the curricula completely and make it a, uh, a more of a human rights compliant uh, yeah. training. Yeah. For yes. Us, yes. And, uh, and and all that, but yes. we haven't reached that stage. We we talk around it, but uh, mm. we haven't mm. we haven't taken that uh, position. We we tend to think that uh, we need more people, more mm -hmm. police officers. Nigeria is under police. Nigeria is under police, and so we need more persons. Mm. Uh, you know, so without focusing on what kind of person. Yes. What kind of people make police officers? Officer, yes. What kind of people are we bringing in? Yes. Because in my experience, I know that we have brought in ex thieves, former thieves. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. we have stories to talk about that. But of course, what I, I know about the police is that once they discover that kind of person, immediately they 
uh, the person is removed from the system. Mm. 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 I, I know that um, police is about the only organization in Nigeria that deals with its own. Once they discover, once it comes into the 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 disciplinary system processes, they deal with mm. the person. Mm. You know, mm. so you have uh, uh, it's the only organization in Nigeria where you have the highest number of people being disciplined every year. Okay, um, this um, definitely is something that civilians yes. do not know. Yes, highest the public don't know this because I, I think the public believes very firmly that it is because of the lack of discipline that officers still do what they do. You know, uh, right now I'm doing a research on uh, mm. police misconduct on behalf of Clean Foundation. And mm. um, that is what we are seeing. We are seeing that uh, there's a high level of disciplinary actions taking place every year. You know, really? how okay. effective is the discipline is something mm. else again, you know. Okay. You know, sure. because, uh, mm. the, the uh, punishments uh from what I have seen in my research, uh, it's not severe enough to to usher in any change in, in conduct and behavior. You know, and uh, apart from that, again, uh, when somebody is involved in a disciplinary problem, mm -hmm. you need to first of all find out what has caused that. Is it, mm -hmm. uh, is it that the person is not trained? Mm -hmm. I don't know what is expected of him or her, mm -hmm. uh, or is it that the system has is is not strong enough to prevent that offense from okay. taking place? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. it, or it, 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 is it that uh, the person is not supported? Yeah, or is not properly supervised? Yes, okay, uh, or, or is not properly led? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And all that. So we are looking at all those areas to find out uh, because one of the things we are looking at, we are looking at the frequency mm. of offenses. Okay. So, uh, with regards to even rank. Okay. Uh, yeah. We are, yeah. We are looking at what kind of offenses are sergeants involved in, mm. Mm. and also mm. uh, senior officers. Mm. Look at the frequency. Mm. And why is it mm. happening? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, so, uh, and all that also has to do with what we are the subject of our discussion, mental yes. and emotional capital. Yes, for the police force. Yes, mm. yes, definitely. Well, we are fast approaching the end of the program, but I quickly want to also um, say before before we leave that um, policing it, it looks as, as if it's a tough job. Because when we look at um, even the Western world and the case in question would be America and all that is going on now, having their police force, again, not there's a gap, you know, there's more that they can do in terms of their own community efforts mm -hmm. out there as well. And these are people that ordinary would say have gotten quite a lot of things right, mm -hmm. you know, and we are just pretty much still starting out. You know, so um, when we look at it from that perspective, we'll say, okay, there's still, uh, maybe there's still hope for us. And, uh, but that is going to depend entirely on how well we do with our own reforms. Mm -hmm. Because whether or not we have reforms, I think is no longer the question because we must have reforms. 
So the issue is now how the reforms are implemented uh, to ensure that um, they are a success. And of course, bringing this issue of um, emotional health, emotional capital, mental capital, bringing it to the fore. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just in the police force that we tend to overlook it, even in the workplace, mm-hmm. in private sector workplaces, even in government, mm-hmm. right? Talking about um, political office holders and all of those things, you know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to um, not really understand the role that this plays. Mm-hmm. But from our discussion today, we find that everything that we've, we've talked about actually at the end of the day boils down to this. Mm-hmm. Any police officer who does not have these skills cannot deliver. Absolutely. Cannot deliver. So this is the starting point. It is also the crux of the matter. However, it is also intertwined. It goes into several different places. We've talked about their accommodation. We've talked about salaries. We've talked about how, how to give those give them a, a more enabling environment. Mm-hmm. You know, and you also mentioned the change in um even having a different curriculum that would deliver this sort of thing, you know? So it gets, it really gets um, interesting. And I'm just sincerely hoping that with people like you there, they're going to be able to take a very robust view of the sort of reforms that we, that we actually need. So in closing, right, I would like you to tell us amongst all this um, emotional resources which one would you say served you best? You know, the ones that we, we listed earlier, we talked about um, relational agility, self-motivation, self-awareness, you know, self-esteem, self-regulation, trust, flexibility, efficiency at learning, you know, optimism, beliefs. Which of these ones, you know, just take maybe three out of them and quickly take us through. Which, let, of this, which let me, ones would you let really me, serve you? Okay, I understand. You know, when I when I joined the police, uh, a, a friend of my father told me that uh, I must make sure I eat in the morning before going to work. <laughs> because uh, I may not come back home. I may be dead. Mm. Uh, or I may be shot. And when, they, when, I, uh, when I get shot and taken to the hospital, the first question is, uh, did he, has he eaten? Has he, uh, is anything, you know, uh, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So I developed that habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, police is a very tough job because mm-hmm. you are dealing with human behavior. Mm-hmm. Police officer's job is mm-hmm. to moderate human behavior. Mm-hmm. The typical human being wants to be free mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. whatever he or she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without anybody disturbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the job of the police officer is to prevent you from swinging your hands in such a way that you knock out, you slap somebody and then become mm-hmm. a problem. You know, yes. you know what Lord Atkins say now. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So for me, throughout my 33 years, I took interest in what the uh in what in what the, the standard of conduct when i came across it mm. i said how do i make this part of my life mm. for example 
uh, one of the conducts says that as a policeman, I have to be tactful. Yes. I have to be patient. Mm-hmm. I have to be tolerant. Mm-hmm. And then I have to control my temper mm. in trying situations. Mm. So I taught myself to remain composed and respectful, mm. even in mm. the case of provocation. Mm-hmm. I also taught myself uh, to retain some level of proportionate self-restraint in volatile situation, which I, I came across several times. You know, because the 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 regulation says that you should control your temper. Mm. Yes. So I also try to recognize the needs of victims and witnesses uh, uh, in, in policing. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, the fact that my behavior and my the language uh, uh, should not be perceived as abusive, oppressive, mm-hmm. harassing, mm-hmm. bullying, victimizing, or offenses by the people I come into contact with every day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. Uh, mm. and then, okay. and then um, uh, there is also part of what the, it's called integrity. Mm. Integrity in in the 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 um, uh, the standard of conduct says that uh, uh, integrity has to do with you refusing to allow religious, racial, political, or personal feelings. Mm. Or other considerations here mm. to influence you in the execution mm-hmm. of your duties. Mm. So, which means I have to at all times. This, this is this. I have to at all times act with honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, use my position uh, uh, for the good of all. Yeah, for, mm. for security purposes. And the good of all, uh, be sincere and truthful as mm-hmm. possible. Show courage uh, mm-hmm. in what I believe to be right. Uh, mm-hmm. Ensure that my decisions are not influenced by improper considerations. Yeah, personal gain. You know, yeah. as I am not yeah. influenced by personal gain, uh, and. I, I, I try to make sure that I do not knowingly make false, misleading, or inaccurate oral or written uh, statements. Okay. Statements. Okay. In, in a professional mm. conduct, or mm. or solicit for or accept gift that mm. you're supposed to, and so and then I'm supposed to be impartial. Mm. You know, mm. because mm. I'm required to be impartial in the uh, avoidance of feelings of vindictiveness. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. showing vindictiveness towards me. Yeah. And, yes. and, towards and which can be a, a, an issue. Yeah. Mm. And, and in my training sessions, I try to talk to police officers that uh, what you are doing is not a personal thing. Mm-hmm. So don't mm-hmm. personalize the problem. Yes. You have. Yes you have a criminal or a suspect before you. Mm-hmm. It is not a personal issue. So stop sentences like, uh, uh, like I will deal with you. Do you know mm-hmm. me? Have you ever had mm-hmm. me? Eh? Mm-hmm. I will deal with you. You know, it becomes, once you do that, it becomes personal. It becomes yeah. you are being impartial. You are being, yeah. you are being partial. You are showing yeah. partiality as we talk about it. Partiality. Mm-hmm. 
you are not being fair. You are not being objective. You should try to be yes. objective. Yes. Each man yes. is suspect. A suspect doesn't mean that the person has committed offense. Hmm. So you have to show impartiality in dealing yeah. with your colleagues, with partners, with suspects, yeah. Yeah. prisoners, with anybody. That is very interesting what you just said about yeah. being able to be impartial. That yeah. requires a level of self-awareness. Absolutely. Because for you to be impartial, you must first even know that you can be biased. Mm. One needs to have that self-awareness, mm -hmm. you know. So again, it brings us back to this set of skills. Yes. So I just keep finding it really interesting how, I mean, when we started the talk, I knew this was very, very important. Yeah. But as we come to the end of it again, I see the importance even more than ever before. Yeah. You know, and all I can just do is to continue to pray and to hope that whatever reforms will be put in place really makes this front and center because it is the core of the matter. It's the only foundation we can build on. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very, very much um, for accepting to come on our, on our show. We really appreciate that. Well, to all of you who have been listening so far, I'd like to thank you for being on the program with us and to also tell you that um, for all of us, mental and emotional capital is critical. Even as we have discussed it in terms of policing and security, I think that there's also enough for each person to take away and to ask, do I have this emotional capital? Are there certain things that I need to work on, some things that I need to do differently? You know, I hope that this gives us an opportunity to do that. So I look forward to seeing you uh, next time, to being with you next time, when I promise we're going to have another packed edition of Truth Serum. For now, from me, it's goodbye. Take care of yourself and continue to, keep, uh, to stay safe.